Welcome. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. If you know, you know, there's two things that I really, really love. My clients will know this because they'll see it on occasion and depending on my mood, but I love words on shirts. I love them. I love word on art. Like I love Kelly Ray Roberts. I have a lot of her artwork. She's given some to me. I've bought some, but I have it throughout my office. And it all started years ago with a client who sent me a card that she bought with Kelly Ray Roberts artwork on it. And I fell in love. And then, you know, some years later, I got to know Kelly. I'd been to art studio and I have that. So I love words. I love words. I love messages. And anyways, recently, not recently, just yesterday in the mail from a client of mine who was recently in Davos, sent me a couple of items from there. One is a bag with such a great message, (laughs) such a great message. It's trust your decisions. We all need to remember that, right? Trust your decisions. How awesome. And if you know, you know, I'm a newbie, big time Formula One fan. I call myself a newbie because there's so much I don't know. (laughs) Like I'm just in it. But oh my gosh, I love it. There's 10 teams, two people on a team, two drivers, right? I've learned just recently that there's a third driver, the backup driver, but there's 20 people that I need to know the names of versus how many people on a football team, which I can't even answer that question. So I love, love Formula One. I'm so excited because one, the new season's about to start in real life. And then Netflix is ready. They're going to be dropping their Drive to Survive, which is one of my favorite, favorite shows. So I'm really excited to have both of those. And I'm grateful for people that I know that are in this industry so I can ask them questions because while I love it and I've dove deep into it and I've been learning about it, like I know probably 1% right? If that maybe a half percent and I'm okay. I'm really thrilled to be a newbie. So I just want to celebrate that too, because it's fun, right? It's fun to get something and is aligned with something that I really, really like. And the thing about it is, had I not done this work on vulnerability years ago, I would never have shared that this is one of my favorite shows. I just kept talking about it, right? I'm willing to be vulnerable and be like, okay, here's the thing. I really like the show. Like I'm willing to learn. I I don't know much. And you know, one of the things in 2023, part of my 50th year is I'm going to go to a Formula One race. I'm so excited. I'm going to go. I haven't gotten the tickets yet. I've been trying, but I'm going to go to a race and experience that. And I'm going to give myself permission to be a newbie in this new environment. I'm not going to understand all the inner workings, like when I go to a swim meet and that's okay. Go there and experience it. I'm really, really excited about that. So you'll be hearing more about Formula One. And if you haven't watched Drive to Survive, get through three episodes first before you make a decision, right? Let go of any judgment, get through three episodes and see, and then see like, is this your jam? Is it not? Maybe it's not. That's okay. It took me, I had a lot of resistance (laughs) that I had overcome before I started watching it. And I really, really liked it. 
there's another show that I didn't like until season five, which was Schitt's Creek. We watched it as a family during shelter in place. And so I think like every night it was just easier once we had a show to watch it because then you weren't spending so much brain juice and decisions of what do we watch? What do we not watch? And negotiating with three people who've been sheltering in place at home, right? That's a lot. So we would find a show and there were three of us that really wanted to watch this Creek. And I was like, fine, I'll watch it. Cause I think we'd finished the good place. I did not like Schitt's Creek until season five. And I think it's now a fantastic show. And maybe I'll go back and watch some of the earlier shows, but I really, really did like it in the end. And I really appreciated the characters. But Drive to Survive, I think by episode three, I was pretty in. I was interested, kept learning and seeing it. And granted, I I realized that it's the way that Netflix is putting it together. And I started in the fall of 22 recording, DVRing the shows on Xfinity that not the shows, but the actual races and watching them. Like I never would have thought I would spend two and a half hours watching a race or watching qualifying. Not really somebody who watches like sporting events, right? I watch the Olympics, but football games, baseball games, I'm like, that's not how I choose to spend my time. But I like Formula One. So we'll see. It's something fun. I have the space in my life as an empty nester. I'm going to carry on and carry forward. Okay, so if you hear from the tone of my voice, I'm doing a lot better than I was a couple weeks ago when I was recording those past two shows, the one of Life is Challenging and the one previously of I'm Struggling. Still haven't gotten to that email overload. Don't worry, it's coming. But I thought it'd be really important to talk about hope, right? Because while I thought it was really important to talk about struggling and letting you all know that life is challenging, it's also important to know that there's hope. And that that's a really important thing. So even when I was struggling, the reason I was able to share it with you all was because I still had hope that this was going to pass and I would move through it. And I had recorded that a few days after like my real deep struggle. So I, I wasn't in the thick of it, like, right, I wasn't in the deep end with it, the deep end of the pool. I was out a bit, but there was still struggling and I knew it would pass and I knew that in order for it to pass, I had to be with it. And I chose to share it with you all because there's so much of like, oh, do this and live this better life. Here's this quick fix and do it this way, right? Or if you do this, it'll be so great. And it's a lot of magical thinking. And the thing about what I know about life as a leadership coach, I coach my clients in leading their lives, both in the workplace and in their personal lives. It's never just this straight line to where they want to go. And once they get there, oh, everything's la da fantastic, and they live happily ever after. Those are the fairy tales that we've been conditioned to believe is how life happens. <laughs> and... I think that adds to a lot of extra pain when we're going through struggles, when we all of a sudden go, life is challenging. I thought it's not supposed to be challenging at 50, right? Or at whatever age. It makes me think about when my daughters, I can't remember how they were, probably like six and eight, five and seven, and high school musical was all the rage. It was probably five and seven. And they just loved high school musical. And I remember my bonus daughter said to them, like, don't think that this is what high school is really like. (laughs) 
we talk about this story all the time and she wasn't being mean. She was just trying to provide really empathy of like, manage your expectations. Don't have this magical thinking. And to this day, my older daughter, my daughters now, they're 22 and 21. We talk about this, like, even though she was told that she still didn't believe it. She thought, no, life is going to be like high school musical, right? Life isn't like high school musical. Life isn't like, you know, I thought growing up that life was going to be like Greece <laughs> or like uh, Doris Day, you know, musical. That's not how life is. And there's some really hard aspects and there's cool stuff too, right? But we forget that as we get older, there are challenges. There's, you know, some of it's having less naivety about the hardness of life. We've gone through different things in our life. We've had experiences. We've had heartaches. We've maybe taken on conditioning from other people in our lives or from the cultural programming and then really bought that in and had those beliefs about ourselves. And so life is challenging. And here's the great news is we can overcome them, right? We can overcome, we can get through, we can have be hopeful humans. And that's what I'm here to talk about today. Life is challenging. Absolutely. There is not a person that I know that doesn't have some sort of challenge or struggle in their life. And I know that we can move through it. And some of the times there will be still that grief and we'll have losses and we'll still have the challenge of that. Even years later, my, you know, dad passed in 1999, the fall of 1999, a long time ago, I was pregnant with my daughter at the time. There's still times that that is really hard, right? Because I think about, wow, he would have loved to know his grandkids, you know, and who would he have been as a grandfather? And some of it's magical thinking, right? Because he had some health issues and he had his own struggles with alcohol. So who knows what he would have been like had he still been alive. But so there can still be challenges that I may not grieve on a day-to-day, but sometimes it can take your breath away. And then there's sometimes just the challenges of life. I mean, this week I've had clients that have had wins And I've had clients that have had shit shows and I've had clients that happened all in one time, right? Like all in one session. So let me give you an example of some wins, right? I had a client get a promotion and this is after not getting promoted. This is after several reorgs, right? Lots of switching of teams and my client, he got his promotion and that's awesome. And there's the struggle of lots of broken trust, There's a struggle of resentment within the organization. And then how do we rebuild trust? I had a client win of treating oneself extravagantly, allowing oneself to go and do something that would not be their normal. It doesn't hurt them. They have, you know, the resources, the time and the money to go make this choice, but it's not something they did before, maybe, you know, 20 years ago. And so treating oneself and saying, Hey, I want to go and have this experience for myself. Maybe it's going to a concert. Maybe it's going on a trip. Maybe it's going to stay at a resort. Maybe it's going to get your nails done. You know, I'm not going to share what this client did, but it can be something as simple as $20 and it can be thousands of dollars. Everybody's going to have a different scenario of what treating oneself extravagantly. I mean, I treated myself extravagantly the other day because I finished work at a certain time and I gave myself permission to be done. And that was great, right? So treating oneself extravagantly. 
Now, I've also had clients who are, you know, in difficult situations because they're having to give feedback to an employee that's not measuring up, or they're dealing with people offloading their pain on them because they don't want to be held accountable to the boundaries of that relationship or that situation. That's the realness of this life. And then I have clients that are also those, it can be the same clients who are taking up space in their life, right? Who are not playing small and hiding away and taking up space. I'm not saying puffing up, but taking up space, allowing them to stand tall and breathe in that air and belong there and trust themselves. And going back to the the power over situations, there's been a lot of that, dealing with that and you know, and people being really brittle and where something that maybe you could have said five years ago is not something that you could say today because people are brittle. They're, they're much more fragile than we used to be. Okay. And then (laughs) it can create the telephone tree effect, right? Where the message that was said can get changed over time. So I've had client wins and let's be real. There've been still shit shows. Some of the clients who've won have been, you know, this week we celebrated their win and that was it. Some of them had wins and then there were some of the shit shows as well. And here's the thing. And I will remind you this. And I learned this some years ago from Brene. Leadership requires the ability to hold the tension of both good things and difficult things that happen. And oftentimes it can happen in all in one day. And I invite you to take an inventory in your own life. Look at, maybe it's the evening. You know, sometimes the evenings would be like, it'd be great because my family would be sitting there at dinner. It'd be hard because it might be after practice and it would be late. My kids might be snarky with each other, right? Wanting to fight for their positioning. That part is hard. It's that tension and we see it over and over again. It could be that you're getting to do work that you really, really love maybe have a really difficult boss. And yes, I know I said about leaders and I'm talking about a boss. We are still leaders of our lives, right? So how do we show up and move through those situations? And that's what I want to talk about today in this context of hope. We need to have hope. So I am hopeful. And there have been times in my life that I struggled with being hopeful. I'd lost. I remember back in I don't know, 13 years ago, I lost hope for a while, like some really difficult stuff and things that went against the cultural programming of what I thought could happen, happened, and I lost hope. And it took a really long time. And I'll remember the day that I got that hope back, and I'm not going to go into it today, maybe another time I'll share it. But I remember when I had hope, it was like, oh, things can be brighter. And it took a little over two years for that to occur, right? I wasn't dredging all those two years. It wasn't, you know, 700 and some days where I was miserable. But I remember when I was like, oh, I can have hope. I can breathe. I can have hope. When I was struggling a few weeks ago, here's what I did. I owned my story with myself. I didn't come on air, right? And say, that's what I was struggling with. I remember sitting in this chair, trying to get work done and just really having a hard time and going, what is going on, Corinne? And I said, I'm struggling. 
And I said it to myself. There was nobody here. I said it to myself. And I said, what do you need? And I started to cry. And the crying lasted about seven minutes. And here's what was important. This is so, so important when we own our story is I didn't judge myself. And I go, seriously, what the hell? You're a coach. You help people through this. You're just a fraud. I didn't do any of that. I'm a human with human experiences, with human emotions, with lots of tools. And the tools don't mean they protect me so I don't feel emotions. The tools mean I can identify them. I can pay attention. I can understand them. I can learn from them. I can unpack the messages that they're here to tell me, right? I can see what is true. And as somebody who's on my support team, who reminds me, um, Corinne, that is a thought. <laughs> Doesn't mean it's true. That is a thought, which I laugh, right? Because I laugh with myself because that's my, the mindset stuff that I work on with clients. So we can know our own stuff and do it and be really good at it. And sometimes when we're really struggling, can't see it. Okay. So I didn't judge myself. I didn't blame others. I was in my struggle. And I asked myself what I needed. And at that moment, it was to cry. And it was a few days later when I was not in that deepest part of my struggle that I shared with all of you. And I took care of myself, right? And I have my own support system. And my support system that day wasn't available, but I have my own support system. I have a coach to help me unpack my own mind, right? I have a therapist that I'll do some trauma work with, right? Some of that rewiring that I need to do from a long, long time ago. And here's the deal. Now, a few weeks later, I'm doing better. But it wasn't just that. There was a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm better not because of any big changes in my life, right? Like often we're like, okay, I'm struggling. I need to quit my job. I need to leave my marriage, right? I, or or my, my old favorite was I need to eat the bag of potato chips or three bowls of ice cream, right? My circumstances remain the same and I'm better because what I did is I felt my emotions. I let them out and I unpacked my mindset. What were the stories? I found all those old stories. I allowed for that wiring that was going off in my body And I allowed for it to exist and be uncomfortable. And I had support to do some of the work on this as well as doing some of it myself. So along the way, I continue to ask myself, what do I need? And so I'm going to give you some examples because I asked a client, we were in a group today. I often will say, what are you feeling? And they put in the chat and there was angry and hurt. And then I was, you know, looking in the group and one of my clients was really in struggle and I could tell. And I asked her, what do you need? And this is a client that I've worked with for a long time. And she didn't know how to answer that. She did not know in that moment. Right. And she talked about what the circumstances and what was going on. And that may have been what she needed was to be heard. And so we did that. So maybe what you need is you need somebody that's willing to listen. If this is really, really important If you need somebody to listen and not to fix or give advice, when you need to speak or verbally vomit or process, you can ask for that. You say, hey, I need to be heard right now. I'm a verbal processor. Can you listen? I don't need advice. I don't need fixing. I I just need somebody to hear me. Can you do that? Right. And I, I noticed I put in that word just, which I have a podcast about eliminating just. 
I need someone to listen. So that could be it. One of my go-tos is I need to feel. I need to check in and embody what's going on inside of me. For so much of my life, I didn't know what I felt. I didn't know emotions, right? I didn't know it outside of happy, mad, and pissed off, maybe frustrated. I didn't know emotions. So being able to feel and check in and being able to identify it, sometimes even looking up, is that the feeling, right? And looking it up, whether it's Googling it or Susan David has a really great book. There's lots of great books that we can lean into to learn more about these different emotions. So feeling, feeling it in your body, being able to identify it with a name because then that allows you to be able to find it a little bit easier. It's not fast, but a little bit easier. The other thing I need to do is release. So that often means crying. I spent a good part of this year so far, January crying, and I'm okay with that, right? Most people say, no, Corinne, you're strong, you're fierce, right? You don't cry. I cry. And I can't tell you how often I may be on the other side of a coaching session with a client. And one of the things I may invite them to do is allow themselves to cry. And I've had this said to me this week, if I cry, I may never stop. I know that's not true, right? I know that once we let it out, we can, we'll stop. So I built trust with myself over time because I've tested that out. And that's my invitation for you. But being able to release our feelings. Now, releasing the feelings doesn't mean you're so mad that you then punch somebody. That's not what I'm talking about, releasing the feelings, allowing it out of your body. So crying, athletes, one of the things that they do, like, and I'll talk about this in swimming is when they're standing behind the blocks, there's a lot of shaking that goes on. There's a lot of shaking the arms. It's like letting the nerves, letting the anxiety out of the body, right? Releasing can be going on a walk, releasing in that way. I have a good friend, one of her things that she likes to do to feel is she likes to get in the car and drive to Stinson Beach and sit there and watch the waves. And that allows her to release. Okay. So that it can be being in nature, getting water, seeing water. For me, sometimes I like to in town, we have an arboretum. I have clients coming into town in a few weeks and we're going to be going and doing some coaching around there. But the water you know, it's, it's green water, but it's still water. And when I was an undergrad, my junior year, and I had my first Apple laptop, <laughs> it looks like a toy really now, but this is like what, 1992. And I would sit there because it was soothing for my soul. I didn't know that then, but it was what calmed me and released. So I give you these as examples, not so that you take what I do and apply it and it doesn't work for you. These are things I've gathered over time. In the previous episodes, I talked about getting some sun, which the irony is, I don't know if I've ever talked about that, right? Usually I'm about staying out of the sun because for most of my life, getting sunlight has been more problematic because of skin cancer than not getting enough sun, right? But in the stage of my life and what I do now, I'm indoors quite a bit, not getting sun. And so, and then especially it's January I'm more prone to want to get sun than say when we get to June or July where I'm making sure that I'm hiding in the shade. The other is going to bed. I've been working on my sleep now probably for the last five years. And I used to have this, especially as a kid, this FOMO of fear of missing out and I don't need to sleep and all of these really unhealthy, not in a judgment, but things that that weren't good for me 
not going to bed. And so I've had to overcome some of those obstacles, a lot of the mindset stuff and going to bed, getting into bed and saying, I'm done. There's been a couple nights where I got into bed at like eight o'clock at night, going to bed, reading a book in bed. The other one I did was I took a bath. We had dinner. My husband and I had dinner and I I was not doing well. This, This was another night I wasn't doing well. And I asked, you know, did he need help cleaning up the kitchen or would it be okay if I went and took a bath? And he said, no, go ahead and go take a bath. And I went in the bathtub and I took a bath and there was that water component again. It was very soothing for me. And this is from a person who, when we remodeled our house 21 years ago, I had them take the bathtub out of the master bathroom because I was like, why would anyone take a bath? Right. And now here I am. 50 taking a bath in that, you know, the hallway bath. And one of the things I'm going to be working on getting done is getting a mess, a real big master bath room bathtub put in at some point. Got to figure that one out. But that is one of my big dreams is to have one of those. So taking a bath. The other was, you know, riding my Peloton. Somebody had reached out and I was struggling and they wanted to reach out and make it all better. And I said I wasn't available and I got on my Peloton and I turned on Tune Day. She's powerful. She's strong. And I needed some of that strength. I turned on the music really loud. I was spinning and I cried and I cried and I cried and Oprah would call it the ugly cry, but I did that. Right. And I felt better. It wasn't, it wasn't magical where I felt all better because that was the night that I ate dinner. And then afterwards I had a bath. When I was on that Peloton, nobody was home. It was me and I could release. So those are different examples of when I ask myself, what do I need? Sometimes what do I need is I'm going to go and support my adult child, right? I may be in struggle and I'm going to clean up some of my energy and go and support and love my adult child. Or I'm going to spend time with other people. And that's one of the things that I did another weekend where it's like I went and spent time with other people, not to be the energy vampire. And that's where I've changed. And we have a podcast. We'll put the link in the show notes, but I used to be the energy vampires. I don't feel good. Let me go suck you drive so I can take your energy and feel better. But it was about being with people, right? And knowing that I had some struggles and I had some challenges and that's okay. I will work through those and getting around other people. The other part is, so whether it's spending time with other people, and it's also about spending time alone and being able to discern the difference, right? Spending time by myself, whether it's in what I have to be careful of, it's really easy to like get on my phone and be on social media. And I've definitely been working on being more deliberate about that because I used to get really frustrated because I would be all of a sudden 90 minutes down the, the scrolling of my phone and seeing everybody have this great old life and me like sitting there 90 minutes later with nothing to show for it. So being really deliberate when I spend time alone, what do I want from this time? Also reflecting, right? I spend a lot of time reflecting and thinking. And so, yes, I'm in my head and I'm also in my body. I do both, right? I'm connecting both. I used to spend only time in my head or I spend a lot of time like trying to run outside away from me you know, run away, be an energy vampire, build a, you know, go walk in the swampland, pitch a tent, build a campfire, and then, you know, story fondle all over people, right? And what I do now is I feel my emotions. I, ch- I embody them. 
I allow them to be and I release them and I pay attention to what's going on in my mind. I have people that will also supporting me and challenging me. Maybe sometimes it's about, I see you, Corinne, or I'm really, really sorry that happened. I wasn't responsible. That wasn't my part, but I'm sorry. And you didn't deserve that. So those are all the components. And here's something I want to say, because, you know, like we have the mindset journal and we have the grounded confidence course. And I, I'm a huge believer of doing a mindset practice and decluttering your brain and being aware of like, what are your thoughts and what are your feelings and how do you act and how do you, what are the results and then committing to new ones. And I've practiced this for a really long time so I can do it without writing. When you're a newbie, I really still recommend writing because I think we can kind of BS ourselves and say, oh, I see, I don't need to write it down. And I used to say that to myself as well. But I've done it for so long and I do it on such a day-to-day basis. I haven't been journaling. I haven't done much journaling in the last few weeks. It is a tool and it's a really, really valuable tool. But remember, it's one tool. Sometimes I'll have clients that will beat themselves up like, oh, I haven't been doing my mindset journal. I need to do it. I want to do it. It's one tool. It's not the only tool, right? It's a great way to pay attention to our brain. It's a great way to help, you know, get connected with how we're feeling it's not the only one. It's a great practice to be deliberate in and to have it. And you don't need to beat yourself up. The other thing is being deliberate about what I watch. Like if I'm watching television, being really deliberate. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Talk about TV. I grew up as a kid, as a huge, huge Karate Kid fan. Absolutely huge Karate Kid fan. Love Karate Kid. You know, wanted Ralph Macchio to be my boyfriend. Loved it. I saw it in the theaters. I saw it, you know, anytime it was on TV growing up as a kid. I love, love, love it. We started watching Cobra Kai and I would watch it and, you know, something would happen and I don't know, we'd kind of stop and and I couldn't understand. I was like, oh, (laughs) recently we were watching it again. And I just noticed all this anxiety because I was like, why are they making these decisions? It was just too much for me. And because my capacity was tapped, I couldn't watch it. So it's not that I don't like the show. I think it's a great show. It's won all these awards too. It's a great show, but my capacity is tapped and that is not an arena that I want to, you know, suck it up with the capacity I have, or I'm willing to refuel myself and refuel my capacity. So I have the capacity to watch that show. So right now that is not what I need. And that's what I mean about being deliberate about what I watch. There's a lot of discernment that goes on in my life. When I was younger, I didn't have to have those discernments, right? It's kind of like when I was younger, right? You would get up and go work out and, and it wasn't so hard the next day. As I've gotten older, it takes more. Like I do a lot more of, well, my favorite thing is this thing called melt, the melt method, but I do that. I, you know, I'm working on taking care and nourishing my body as well as working on doing physical activity. So those are examples of when I ask myself, what do I need and how it looks like? You can take one of those, try them. You can have your own list. And maybe when I said to you, and this is what happens, I call them idea babies. When somebody is talking and sharing their story, it starts to open up in your own brain, the windows of possibilities for you. And it's like, oh, Yes, Corinne talks about water. What I love is the snow. Going on the snow and skiing or snowboarding, being out and about with people 
and not having to talk to them, but being there with people is something that delights me. I wouldn't really know that snow thing because one, I don't like to be cold. I do live only about 90 minutes from Tahoe. One of my really good friends is going skiing. She goes skiing every weekend with her family and she's going this weekend. So that's really not my thing. And that's okay. My girlfriend up in Big Sky has, she posted something about, it was amazing. And that's great. So maybe that's yours. These are idea babies. It's not about like, oh, here's what Corinne does. And this is her protocol. And now I'm going to take it. And this is going to be my experience. And it's going to be the same. We all have different ingredients that work for us and different things that don't. And that's okay. Because we're all unique. So my friend, we can go through struggle and life is challenging and we can have hope. And before we go, I want to talk about hope because I learned this from Brene when she wrote Rising Strong about hope as a cognitive function. And it's about from this ability to know that we can fall down and get back up. And I'm going to read this because this one is actually in Dare to Lead. So this is according to the research of C.R. Sidney. Hope isn't a warm and fuzzy feeling. He actually defines it as a cognitive emotional process that has three parts. This is a process that most of us, if we're lucky, are taught growing up, though it can be learned anytime. I'm going to pause. If you have a shame trigger because you're like, well, I wasn't taught this. I wasn't either. And that's okay. It's a learnable thing. We can learn it. If the way your way of being was to dress rehearse tragedy to expect for the worst, and that was part of your family of origin programming, you can learn this. So the three parts are goal, pathway, and agency. So one is we can identify a realistic goal. I know where I want to go. And then we can figure out the pathway to get there. Even if it's not a straight line, side note, it's never a straight line and involves a plan B and scrappiness. I know I can get there because I'm persistent and I will keep trying in the face of setbacks and disappointment. And agency number three is belief in our ability to stay on the path until we've arrived. I know I can do this, right? That would be a great thing to say. One of the things that I like to say is I'm resourceful or I can figure things out. In Rising Strong, Brene goes on to talk about how Hope is the ability to fall down and get back up. And so those of us who have learned hope in childhood is we've, we've, we made mistakes, we've fallen down, we've gotten up. And so if you were a child where there were never mistakes made, where either you weren't allowed and you had to be perfect or your mis- <laughs> the path was always clear for you so there would be no mistakes, it's actually harder to be hopeful. And so part of being hopeful is my example would be playing Candyland growing up. <laughs> you play Candyland, you get to the princess, and then all of a sudden you get plumpy and you have to go back to near beginning and you were just about to win the Candyland board. I remember my bonus daughter would get very, very mad when she was young, when she would get plumpy. And plumpy is a little bent up card these days. But that is how you can develop hope is by playing games and realizing like, hey, I can lose some games and I can win some games right? Versus everybody allowing you to only win. And that's a very, you know, simple aspect. Sports is another way we can cultivate hope, right? We have these unrealistic expectations about sports and what it's supposed to look like and the journey that it's supposed to be there. 
but there's a lot of things that will go wrong over the course of an athlete's career. And it's about being able to have hope. So I have hope. I constantly, and then the areas that I've cultivated hope in, right? And in athletics is a huge one. Then I applied in other areas. And so now because of the skills that I've worked on and developed and cultivated over the years, I can be in a place where I'm struggling and I can say that I can, okay, I am here today and I can have hope. And so that my friend is my invitation for you. It's important to realize that we can go through struggle and life is challenging and we can have hope. It's not about BSing ourselves. It's about being hopeful so that we can move through. And it's so important to recognize the beauty in our lives, the yay me's, right? The great things as well as, you know, the shitty things in our lives, the things that suck, the shit shows, because it's all true and in between. And oftentimes we don't recognize the the really good things. We only recognize the negative things. So it's important to be able to hold all of that in our lives. It's important to be real and truthful with ourselves, not to cover up or lie to ourselves about the challenges or when we don't want to feel well, right? We just kind of numb ourselves with TV, food, alcohol. It's important for our well-being also to not overindulge in the hard and the challenges. <laughs> As one of my friends said recently in the last year, it's like, while I can do hard things and yes, I can do hard things, just because I can do hard things doesn't mean it has to be that way. Like what if it could be easy, right? Just because I can do hard things doesn't mean I always have to. So being discerning with that. Taking care of ourselves allows us to take care of others, right? That is that question of what do I need? That is that question, you know, when we talk about self-care, but taking care of ourselves allows us to take care of others you know, taking care of ourselves. For some of my clients, it's about stopping during their day and eating lunch. It's about having some time to think in the day and not constantly being at everybody's, you know, pinging, email, Slack, Teams, Zoom, right? Back-to-back meetings, 14 meetings in one day. Yes, I've had clients with 14 meetings in one day. So taking care of ourselves so that we can take care of others. It allows us to lead those we are responsible for, both in our personal and professional lives. It gives us resources so that we can be brave. When we take care of ourselves, it gives us resources so we can be brave. And we need that bravery. We need that courage to be confident in trusting ourselves. And when we do that, this is all connected. And then the hope, we can have hope. We want to have hope. And some days we really need it more than others. All right, my friend, I'm smiling big for you. Hey there, before we go, I have a question for you. Have you subscribed to the show yet? This is an awesome opportunity for you to preserve your brain juice. I love the fact that I can subscribe to podcasts and television shows and they go straight to my iPhone or they go straight to my DVR and then I don't have to worry of, oh no, especially with television shows. Did I hit record? Is it going to be there? Or now do I have to watch it on demand and go through all the commercials? So go and hit the subscribe button. There's a link in the show notes and that will ensure you that you never miss a show and you can also save your brain juice for other things in your life. There's way more important things, but you and I will still be connected because 
this show will be waiting for you in your phone. Go to the link in the show notes, subscribe to the show so you can automatically get all the shows to your phone. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wild.